second service. <laughs> wow, you know, it's so great. <clears throat> my, my goal is that you have more fun here in one hour than you did on Saturday. Oh. <laughs> and we're, we've, I think we've already achieved it. We've got to worship the Lord, see friends. Well, before we go any further, <clears throat> we want to say hello to those who are watching uh, via the internet, and there's some who watch it live now, and then it plays during the week, I believe after Tuesday, because of the time difference for those who watch in Indonesia and Dubai, <clears throat> we have them all over the world, uh, Japan tunes in, but right now we've got some people, I can see you, Tracy, you're playing hooky, the McCutcheons, you're playing hooky, but the, the, we have a, a number of people, Erica, Lulu, Cassandra, they're all watching live right now and typing in with our uh, internet pastors. So how exciting that is, they get to be here with us. <clears throat> well, it's the beginning of the year, and we've started off, this month is about big dreams. And everyone has big dreams. <clears throat> uh, if you're five years old, you know, your big dream is to be Superman. I mean, it doesn't matter. Everyone has a big dream. And there, there are people who are like, you know, I don't make enough money to have a big dream. Yes, you do. Do how you can have a big dream. You know, some people, I have everything I've ever wanted because I've accomplished everything. You can still have a big dream. There's all kinds of dreams for your marriage, for your children, for your income, for your profession, for your ministry. And so we've been talking about big dreams. And the, the title that I have today is <clears throat> Change, Changing My Appetite. Because this is paramount in changing your dream. For instance, Who's eaten too much pizza too late at night? Did that change your dreams? <laughs> your appetite changes your dreams in so many ways. And so we're going we're gonna to take a look at a story. Uh, and Pete's been, been studying it, and he shared last week on the, the journey that Moses made out of Egypt. He was, you know, set my people free, and the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. We're going to go through the story. But the key verse that I want us to look at, to have in the back of your mind, and it's this one. It's in Joshua chapter 5. At the end of their walk through the, the desert, something happened, and it was the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land, the promised land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. And that's very important. That, that, that one, this one line is the, the, the Yowie point of, of, I think, of the journey. Now, what's so important about this journey is that regardless what it is in your life that you have a big dream, that's a promised land. Wouldn't you say that? You know, your dream is a promised land that I want to live in. Well, our heritage as Americans is this story. The pilgrims, when they were in Europe, they believed they were in religious bondage, as were the Jews. And they actually studied and believed that God gave them the mandate to be the modern-day Israelites leaving bondage, going over the ocean, and creating a new world, a new world that they can worship as they believe God led them to. And that is the foundation. That was the motivation 
for the pilgrims to come over. What, you know, how they could stick through the first year where they almost all died, and I think Jamestown did die out. But <clears throat> there was something about this, and the story hasn't changed. Any journey that you're on spiritually, you're going to see it correlates with Moses setting God's people free. Because that's what we want. We want God's people to be set free. So we're going to take a look at this, and we're actually just continuing in what uh, Pastor Peter started the teaching last week. But he, he didn't get to this, and it's, it has been bothering me for two weeks. You know, as I've been reading it, I'm going, what is going on here? How is it there are three places, Egypt, the desert, and the promised land, and God would take the time to inspire the Holy Spirit to, for us to write down, there was a food in each one of these places. Egypt was garlic and onions. It's called, you know, the bitter fruit. Now, I like, let me just tell you, once a week, I go with Pat Lynch, and we buy, I buy a pizza, two slice, Coke, like $3. Good price, or, you know, maybe or more. And you get to order. My, let me tell you, not for the faint-hearted, but my favorite pizza. You know, someone said, those pineapple or barbecue, buffalo, whatever, you know. Now, this is it. Garlic, onion, anchovy, basil. Oh, I got a chill just saying it. <laughs> but I never order that with my wife. This is what she really says. She says, and you say you love me? As soon as I order it, and you say you love me? Well, I try to sneak it. And then that night and the next morning, she wakes up and you see her. You had pizza yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> when you can smell the garlic yourself in the room, you know you've gone too far. As good as it tastes, it is a bitter fruit. It, sometimes you bite it, and it bites you back if you get a whole clove. I like food that does that. And it's noticeable when it's in the air. So I'm thinking of all these things and asking the Lord, you know what? When they were in bondage, the, the, it's, the reference is, is the symbol of bondage is garlic and onions. And then when they were in the desert walking, God provided manna. Which we got to expand on that. And then we know that in the promised land there was fruit. Well, in the, in the story, let's just kind of recap it real quick. It won't take long for those who may not be familiar with it or you missed last week. Um, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, here's what happened. God said, set my people free. You know, they're in slavery. They're making bricks. And they were forced. They were given onions uh, and garlic to eat. When they left, after the whole plague thing, when they left, it was un just shy of 400 miles to the promised land from where they left from. It would have taken 14 days, and that's what it took to get from there. They, they left Egypt and went right to it, 14 days. But that's when they sent in 12 spies to spy out the land because it was occupied. And it was occupied by, they said, giants. And they go, yes, there's fruit. They even picked some of the fruit. And they said, there's fruit. There's everything there. But it's got giants in it. 
So fear spread across the nation, except for Caleb and Joshua. They're the only two who said, let's go take it. Come on, guys. So they were saying, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. So what God did is that he said, all right, we're going to walk in the desert. And they walked in the desert for 40 years. Let me, let me ask. Look, well, you don't have to admit it. The women won't admit it. But, you know, if you haven't had a Big Mac in a long time or a quarter pounder or something like that, you're going, I feel like a Big Mac. You have that double meat, you know, whatever. And you go, man, what is in that sauce? They can taste pretty good, can't they? Yeah, the women are going. All right. Have that three times a day for 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Give me something else. Well, the Israelites had this thing that God provided manna every day. They couldn't store it. If you gathered more than you could eat, it would get worms in it. You only could pick up what you could eat because if you picked up more. So you couldn't have a vast wealth of manna. You could only pick up so much. And that is, is so important. But you know, you three places that the, they were at, and <clears throat> we did it like this. The land, the, and when they were slaves, they were in the land of not enough. Can you imagine just eating onions and garlic? I mean, I would get tired of that. A land of not enough when they were slaves, the land of just enough, when they were walking in the desert, they couldn't get more. They could only gather what they could eat that day. It's called manna. And then the land of more than enough. And this, these are steps I see God takes us through when we're on a journey to a dream. And it could be your dream, like I said, for any number of things in your life. And at any time in your life, you can get a new dream for a new situation that something has changed. So we know that they had, they had uh, garlic and onions, but there's something special about manna. Once with bondage and with manna, in the land of not enough, there was, the only way I could put it was uncertainty. There was an uncertainty. Where are you going? We just follow that pillar, that pillar of fire. We just, that's, well, what's you going to do when you get there? I'm, you know, there was just uncertainty. God was trying to teach them that they had to totally trust in him because they didn't trust him to go in the first time. So he said, you know what? You're going to have to trust in me. But it led to an uncertainty in the people. Even though they got just enough every day, there was uncertainty. And it kind of goes along. See, the word manna, the, the word manna uh, isn't a noun. It isn't a name. It's a phrase. And the phrase is, what is it? It's like, they go out there. God says, I'm going to provide food for you to pick up in the morning. They go out there and they pick it up and they go, what is it? Manna, what is it? There's still an uncertainty in that. They didn't know what the food was, but they were to eat it. They had to trust God. I mean, I go out in my front yard and I see a loaf of something. I'm, the first time I take a bite of it, you know, this is a lot of uncertainty. And there's uncertainty that if it's going to show up tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and then for 40 
years. There's this uncertainty. <clears throat> but no, manna is, is quite unique. Um, it, people have tried to guess what, that it was a fruit or whatever. But every one of us have had our manna moments. See, manna was a provision to get them to the promise. If God delivers you, okay, he delivers you with a promise. Now there needs to be, he delivers you out of bondage. Now you move into that journey to get there. He has to give provisions to get you to the promise. And in this case, it was manna to sustain them. And it was just enough to get them there. What is it? I don't know. How did it get here? I don't know. I, how, who's here ever received a, a check in the mail and you didn't even know someone owed you? Manna. Why, why, why am I getting this? I don't know. Do you just, I don't know. We, we need to yell manna. I, in the first service, I said, who's, who's gotten a job that didn't even fill out a resume? There's quite a few of you. Guess what that is? Manna! Why? I don't know. How long is it, it going to last? I don't know. I didn't even ask for the job. I just got the job. Manna, you've gotten a position. Or Why did my wife marry me? Manna! <laughs> I see no reason for her to marry me. Manna! God's provision. To get us both to a promised land. We all have manna in our life. It's not a bad thing. It's not a shortcoming. It only becomes one if we can't let go of it. But God took care of that. He said the day they ate of the fruit, the manna dried up. Which made them do what? They only had fruit. And it didn't just show up. Some people think that was just cruel. That was just cruel of God to do that. But it wasn't. It wasn't punishment. It was out of preparation. He took our manna away. That's how you can look at it. But not until they tasted of a fruit. I've brought you up here to taste of the fruit. Some people say, my relationship with my wife, my husband, my kids has changed. My relationship has changed. Maybe God's not punishing you. Maybe he's having the manna dry up and you have to change something. Something has to change. You have to go taste the fruit. And there's something special about this fruit that we'll see in a minute. Well, let's, let's do this. God stops the manna to alter our appetite. Your appetite has to change. You see, our diet is linked to our desire. If your desire is disgusting garlic and leeks and nothing else, you open your mouth, you may have enjoyed it, but man, you've made a stink in the room. You know, you eat something and we're all, you know, running for, <clears throat> you know, I love a good cup of coffee in the morning, but I hate your coffee breath. I don't mind my coffee breath. I just hate yours. I don't smell my coffee breath. I smell your coffee breath. So you always have these mints. 
People don't realize when they've got garlic and bondage on their lips that people can smell it. They can spot you a mile away. Bondage has a language. Manna has a language. You know what manna's language is? Uncertainty. What's God doing? I don't know. What are you going to do with this? I'm not sure. But it's not bad. A lot of people go, I don't know. Bondage is negative. Uncertainty is uncertain. And fruit is sweet. And that's the path that we're on. We need to understand which, wherever you're at, where are you at? Are you just getting out of, you know, you're just being delivered of it? And you still have the smell of garlic? You're still bitter inside? You're spill- it's easy to spot, and I have a story to go with it, but you need to know that your diet is an expression of what you're hungry for. I, want- I can't tell you how important your diet is. Is my diet all vegetables? And you can see that you know, maybe he does eat a lot of Big Macs. But your words, the way you act, tells me what you're hungry for. Let me tell you a story. It was last week. We only had one service. It was January 1, and it was packed, and it was great. If you didn't come, it was. So the 12 o'clock service, it's time for the 12 o'clock service. And it's the 12 o'clock service. You know, everyone's leaving. Hey, you know, see you. That was great. Happy all year, blah, blah, blah. And two guys come up. They're going, are you the senior pastor? I go, Yeah. And they weren't together, but there were two guys asking around, where's the senior pastor? And one of them, you know, I knew he'd, he'd come here from now, now and then. And he said to the other guy, he goes, hey, you, you can go first. He goes, no, no, mine's going to take a while. He goes, you go first. So it was this guy, and you can tell, uh, he used to live down at the halfway house down here. I forgot the name of it. And um, he would come every now and then, and he just said, he goes, look. He goes, I had a come to Jesus moment that... God has set me free from some bondages, and you guys were a part of it. Uh, I have a place now in Apopka. I've got provision. I've got a transportation. I just wanted to come back, have you pray for me. He goes, and my name's Rod. He goes, when you pray for me, say my name, Rod. I go, okay, thank you, Rod. And so I pray for him, and, <clears throat> and he said, he goes, just, at, just, just ask God to be with me as I hold on to my deliverance, and I'm on a journey. He said, I'm on a journey. I'm on a path. And he had this great countenance on him. And I like, you know, I gave him a big hug. And I, I prayed for him. And he left. And then I walk over to the other guy. And the other guy's, <clears throat> first words of his, out of his mouth. I can tell he's angry. What is the church, church's doctrinal thesis? I look down the concrete. And over here is where he parked his bicycle. And I was thinking to myself, you know, he got a 40-year-old guy who wasn't coming here to go to church, but he was coming here to find the senior pastor to find out what our doctrinal thesis is. 
And I looked at him, and I just, I mean, it kind of made me chuckle. I went, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure this isn't your church. It never works out really well when that's the first thing they say. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And he goes, well, it's a senior pastor, you should know. And I go, hey, can I just cut to the, I'll just go right to where I think you're going, okay? That, that will settle this. You know, he didn't believe me when I said, this isn't your church. And I said, some people here, I said, we're Presbycostals. We're Reformed theologists who believe in the gifts. That really didn't. He goes, when you say you're Pentecostal? I said, no. I said, we're Reformed theologists that believe in the gifts of God. I said, in other words, some people talk in tongues and some people don't, and I don't care. I know, Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Jimmy cracks, uh, J- Jimmy speaks in tongues and I don't care. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> he goes, what? You're not rightly dividing the word. And I'm like, I told you this wasn't your church. <laughs> it was good meeting you. And I stuck my hand out and he went, he walks away to get on his bicycle and pedal out. He doesn't know he's under a curse, but there's one thing I did notice that it may be metaphorically, that he left a stench in the room of bitterness, of garlic. He didn't know he's under bondage. He didn't even see that this gentleman who's got free from bondage talked about his journey and just hoping God keeps dropping manna to let him live this course until he finds his promised land. On that journey, you can't gather too much, only what you can eat for the day. And people get all upset. I can't seem to get ahead. I can't get ahead. Manna. Did you get provided for? Manna. Ooh, baby. You know, when I, I can't get it from the word God sends me some knucklehead to hit me over it. <laughs> what? I mean, wow. Such blindness when you're in bondage. Such blindness. When your appetite... It's for bitter herbs. Everyone can smell it. You may not. But everyone else. I'm telling you, foul mouths are the result of foul appetites. Foul attitudes are the result of foul appetites. I want this. I deserve that. That's even in the church. The Bible says that you know, the, the Lord wants to give us the desires of our heart. That's great. But it only happens when the desires of your heart are what the things that God desires. A lot of people have this, oh, I'm, the desire of my heart is this, and it sounds so spiritual. But you know what? That actually may not be the desire of God for you now or even later. That's something that's coming out of your spirit. That's something that might have polluted. So we can't go to new levels in God with the same appetites. You just can't. 
walk through this. So God gives a promise. He gives, in that promise, it may start with deliverance to get you to that promise, for the promise. And that starts in Egypt when you're in bondage. Then there's provision for the promise. That's the manna. And when you're getting provisions for the promise, there's not a whole lot of gathering, remember. You can't store up on it. It's just a provision that he has provided for you to get to the promise. And then the promise, guess what? It has seeds. When you, I, I have a farm. <clears throat> I've got probably 250 onions in the ground right now. And when the onion, if the weather goes hot, and the, it's a winter fruit for Florida. When, if it blooms, the onion's rotten. And what's in the bloom is seeds. To have a good onion to eat, it doesn't have seeds. Same way with garlic. Once it blooms, the, the onion goes soft. Okay, you have to pick it before it seeds. So there was no seeds in the onions for them. There's no seeds in the manna they couldn't grow it. But the second they tasted of the fruit, guess what it had? Seeds. Now you can grow. God's saying, you know what? You've been faithful here. You've been faithful. You need, you need to look to me every day. But once we get the right attitude, the fruit that you're going to pick, you can plant. And you can plant as much as you want. You can build bigger barns and store as much as you want. It's up to you. But you now have freedom. That is a promised land. That you can walk in abundance. You know, there's some people going, oh, they get everything they want in God, and I got nothing. You just may be in that you're walking to the promised land. You're still learning how to trust. And there's going to come a point where, guess, remember in, in chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, that soon as they tasted of the fruit, the manna stopped. that cruel or that was good no he forced to change their appetite do you know what in relationships as you get when you marry when you have children the relationship could change the manna that was getting you you know the love manna and now you have a baby and like well we got schedules now like oh crap or you get you all your kids have gone and your relationship have changed and you think it's dried up you think oh why didn't he love me or she loved me anymore no god is giving you fruit that you didn't plant the next season. You've been living off manna that he has provided. That you marry. It is so easy to be married, newlyweds. Isn't that incredible? Newlyweds right there. Isn't it? Can, what's, how do people get in trouble? We're so happy. We just love each other. Have a baby. Wait, have, have twins and start a new business and move to North Carolina. This thing's dead in a year. <laughs> it is a lot of stress not saying it. Have you heard people's, you know, and, and you should, the first church, the first place that you ever entered into that people prayed with you and they were like-minded and you never had that before, you know, that was really special and sweet, okay? But then I, I really do have a problem with people going, well, I remember 1970 and, and 1980 or 19, 2000, we had a group of people to get together and we just kind of laid around and, you know, how many were there? 20? Oh, make it 600. We're not all going to lay around on the couch. But here's something that you didn't do. If you're missing something from 1970, if you think you had the fruit of God, why didn't you plant the seeds 
to grow it again. No, I just, it was just handed to me. Somebody was planting seeds for that, that thing to happen there. And you were given the sweet fruit and you didn't plant the seeds to grow another one, to grow another one, to grow another one. See, we get stuck with manna. And then when, you know, we blame God because of relationships broken up, or relationships drying up. Plant the seed. Plant the seed from this fruit of love. Plant that over here. That's what date night's all about. Plant another date night. Plant another this. Do the, find some goals with, with your mate. Find some new hobbies with your mate. Do what they want to do. Plant a seed. You know what it took before. Just plant, you go ahead and eat that fruit, spit the seeds out and plant it. Trust me, it works. But the man is going to dry up and you can either be bitter or you're going, wait a minute, I've got something. The onions and the garlic didn't have seeds. The manna didn't have seeds. They were just provision to get to the fruit. But as soon as you taste of the fruit, here's what happens. You know, you... It will work if you work it. So I wrote this. For those who want to dream, dream every day. Dream if you don't. It, makes, it doesn't even make sense. Just dream. Dream about lunch. You know, just have a dream because you don't know what God is trying to say to you or, you know, or what's, what's in your heart. Dream, but here's the process. Behind me, God delivered. God delivered me. So that's going to change my appetite. I can't eat of what I ate back then, the, the negative stuff, the, the poking, the jeering, the resentfulness. I, I've been delivered of that, and I'm eating a different fruit. Around me, God provides. I'm in a provision. Is it everything I want? No, but it's everything I need. I can juggle this bill and juggle that and move this over here. Maybe I need to sell that car. Maybe, But boom! <laughs> I don't even know how we did it. You know, there were times that Crystal and I did not know how we paid our bills. We just kept paying it, paying it, and paying it, and paying it. It's like, hey. The one time we couldn't afford her to get glasses because she get, had to get her license. We were both in college, both working. She had a restricted license because her vision was so bad. We didn't have it. Her license was going to be you know revoked and so we go to the DMV and who's got restricted sight all right they make you take the test without your glasses right to see how bad it was well they used to is that they still do that well that's how they used to say I don't know she she took her old glasses and and uh I no, I think she, oh, no, she, uh, her, she couldn't see through them anymore. Her eyes were blurring. She warned. She goes, oh, my eyes are getting worse. We're getting worse. So they make her take the test without the glasses and then with it on. And then she took it and took it and did the test. And they go, you have, your vision's perfect. Manna. Manna. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But just think of all the reading you had to do to get your master's and your doctorate. And she doesn't have to wear glasses. Manna. It's not a shameful thing to be in manna. I love that God gives provision to get us to the promise. It's just that when we get to the promise and the manna shuts off, don't resent God. 
Recognize that you got to eat the fruit and plant seeds. Plant seeds. I'll even, I even got time for a little story. You need to know that the ones going into the promised land aren't the ones that came out of Egypt, except for Joshua and Caleb. This is telling us this. The person with the appetite, the appetite that you had in, in bondage, that person is not going to be the person that enters the promised land, the promise that God's given you. Your appetite has to change. And he's doing, God's trying to do everything he can to help us to change our appetite. Because what we eat, what our diet is, I'm telling you, that is what we are. And that's what people see. That's what they hear coming out of our mouths. There was a young journalist who got his first job with the newspaper. And uh, they sent him out because uh, it was 20 miles out. There's this, this old guy who's been farming for about 50 years. Uh, would you go out there and give him an interview? And so he goes out there and he sits down with this old guy on his farm. And he asks him, he said, sir, what time do you go to work in the morning? And the farmer <laughs> just kind of laughed, chuckled. He said, I don't go to work. I'm surrounded by it. There is something for us to do. There are seeds that we can plant everywhere around us with the people we live with, the people we work with, the people we rest with. There are seeds that need to come from the fruit of God's promise to us. You may not feel like you have much to offer. Guess what? You're in uncertainty, you're on your road. I would ask you, what, do you, what is God try, trying to say to you? I don't know. Where are you going? Not sure. Great. Every step you take, you're that much closer to the promise that God has given. That's exciting. But you've got to know these signs. See, when you have the faith, when you have the faith of the promised, this is what you can endure. You can endure people not agreeing with you. You can endure family members that think you're crazy. You can endure people saying no to you at work. You can endure some rejections because I got the proof in my hand, in my heart. And I'm going to, for me to plant a seed, every time I go to plant, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what the weather's going to do. If the weather turns against me, by the way, it looks like my, I have about, I have 20 tomato plants that have tomatoes all over it. And right now, they have a, every coat and blanket I own over them. <laughs> I'm trying to protect them. You know, I, I don't have any promises with the, they could all be dead when I get home. I've grown them before. Guess what's going to happen in spring? I'm going to plant my seeds again. I can, I can do setbacks. Because I've tasted of the fruit. I know what that tomato tastes like. People going, why do you do all this? Why do you? I go, have you tasted this? This, this you can't get in the supermarket. 
There's only one place you can get this, and this out of your backyard, your garden. So I know what it is to taste of the physical fruit. And it's enough to keep me growing tomatoes and my, my cauliflowers, like my cabbages. Wow. There's a spiritual place that God wants you to get. That's the promise of the fruit. And it has seeds for you to plant. It works if you work it. Wow. I have some questions for if you're in a small group. Kind of prepare if your group does this. But it's important for you to remember your manna moments. What are your manna moments? They're not embarrassing. Like, I don't know how I got through it. Manna. Manna. Instead of... Instead of concentrating on how dry and how I just barely made it, you're going, I don't know why I made it. This is bondage. This is deliverance. This is eating garlic. This is eating manna going on to eat fruit. What would you say is your appetite today? Do you need to believe God for deliverance? Something pops up. I need the deliverance of this to get me to provision for the promise. You're uncertain. It's fine to be uncertain. You're walking every day. You're walking every day. It may take 14 days. It may take 40 years, but you're walking with provision. And then there's promise that has seeds. And you're to toss the seeds, to plant the next orchard for you, your family, for everyone around you. Let's stand. Wow. Who wants to go on a journey to a promise? Who wants to become a farmer? Plant seeds. Let us not ever say, oh, Northwest, you should have seen it back in its day. Nah. We're planting seeds. We're planting seeds. It may look different from what it was 10 years ago. But I'm planting seeds. This church is planting seeds. Where's it going to go? I don't know. There's manna, I'm going to eat manna. There's fruit, I'm going to eat fruit, and I'm going to toss the seeds. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word, that you are such a loving God, that not only would you set us free and deliver us, but you provide a provision to the promise. You provide the actual provision. You just didn't give the promise. You were giving provision, and we thank you for it. Instead of complaining, we thank you. I made it this far. Whoa. If everybody would just say with me for the sake of those who may be embarrassed or not sure. If you've not committed or you're, the Holy Spirit's just put something in your heart that you need to be set free from. You need to believe deliverance from. Everyone say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your deliverance on my life. I accept you as my Savior. Help me in my walk to be thankful for the manna, to know that this is provision to the promise. 
if I'm just making it, that's to get me to the promise. And I'll cast seeds when I eat that fruit. I'll grow this orchard again. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful word.